All right, everyone. Hey, welcome. Welcome to New Life. Glad to have you guys here with us. How's everybody doing today? Is everybody doing good today? I mean, come on, seriously. Wherever you're at, whether you're in the venue, North Platte, or in the main auditorium, let me hear you today. Come on. (laughs) Thank you. Even in the balcony, people are clapping. I see that. Thank you so much. People that I love. Um, Awesome. Uh, Guys, listen, I know that uh, this is a holiday weekend. I know you could be anywhere, at any place, at any time, especially with our current transportation system. You could just hop on a plane, be anywhere. But you're here at New Life today, and that means that that I'm expecting God to do something incredible in your life today. All right? I believe that. I believe God wants to do something amazing in your heart today. That he wants to take his word, he wants to open it up, and he wants to help you grow closer to him, to know him more, and have your life impacted by him more. Today is not just another Sunday. Today is not just another day in the week. Today and this morning has become an opportunity where you've put yourself in the crosshairs of God's grace, and you've put yourself in the crosshairs of God's presence, and you've, out of obedience, brought yourself to this place, and I believe God is going to do something amazing in your life. And so I just want you to open up your heart and be ready. Just be prepared. Expect God to speak life into you. Expect God to open your eyes up to help you see things that maybe you've never seen before. So I want to welcome everyone that's worshiping with us out in the venue and out in North Platte. So exciting to have one church in multiple locations. So please know that wherever you're at today worshiping, that new life is a, is a body of believers much larger than what you're experiencing and or you're seeing. And we love it that way. We love being one church in multiple locations. And we think that God's using this model to really help us reach people and see people's lives transformed and changed. Just like the video that we all just watched at, at the announcement time. I love hearing stories about how people are being impacted by the good news of Jesus right here in our local church called New Life. Amen? And we're all a part of it. It's exciting. Well, today we're wrapping up our current teaching series. It's entitled Campfire. And so has anybody here, uh, you know, camped uh, this summer at all and had a campfire? Anybody? Let me me see your hands. All right. Got two people in the main auditorium. They're probably all down in the venue. Oh, okay. Four people. Um, All right. Maybe five or six. All right. So how many people just don't like camping at all? You just like, you don't like it. See, way more hands that way. Right. Right. I mean, what happened to the day when we just would like just pick a tent up and go out cheaply with our family and spend spend a night in the woods? Right. Well, we don't have internet there anymore. There's no AC. Right. We we can't just order you know McDonald's or Runza or whatever it is you would order. Um, Life has changed in a lot of ways. A lot of ways. If you don't have an RV, it's like people don't want to camp. (laughs) It's it's like a a portable house. Um, It's amazing. So, yeah, a campfire, a lot of great things happen around a campfire, right? One of the things that we're going to talk about today is the power of group, right? Many times when you have a campfire, you have a group of people around you. Um, I like it better that way because if you're by yourself and you have a campfire, it's normally called survival, right? So camping is different than survival, right? Survival, one person around a campfire to try to stay alive, A campfire when you're out camping brings a group of people together, and there's some power that's in that. There's the power of group. Let's talk about that today. A lot of amazing groups in our history that have changed us and made us into who we are. 
like the founding fathers, an incredible group of men who wrote not only the Constitution, but they wrote the Declaration of Independence, and then they signed it on July 4th, 1776. Five people out of the founding fathers actually wrote the document, and then they signed it declaring into you know, known history that the United States of America was going to be a free and a sovereign country. And I don't know about you, but I am totally thankful that those guys did that and that that group succeeded in that mission. Right? Right on. Yeah. A powerful group that still affects us today. Here's another group that maybe doesn't have anywhere near that same impact, but had some significant impact. The group called the Beatles. Yeah, that's right. These four youngsters jumped the pond and showed up in February of 1964 and started to change the world. They started to change the culture when they showed up on a show that some of you are fully familiar with called The Ed Sullivan Show. And others of you have no idea what I'm talking about. And that's okay. I got it. But these, these guys have impacted the world. They've influenced the world. And you know, they still hold music industry records. They still, and I'm not talking about LP records. I'm talking about like the amount of, you know, top 100 hits or the amount of records sold or any of those types of things. These guys still hold records to this very day. In fact, they still affect music culture even to this very moment. Another group, though, of people that have affected us and they still impact us is the Apollo 11 group. Those three guys, right, Armstrong, Aldrin, and Collins, these three guys end up landing on the moon, and two out of the three put their feet on the moon, and what seemed impossible became possible. Now, they're the, they're the front men of the group, but behind them, you guys realize, is hundreds and hundreds of people to help make that very mission take place, right? You do know that. So here's three amazing groups that we can think back on, and that just kind of gets the wheels spinning of groups that have made such an impact that they're still affecting us to this very day. I was just a part of, a ma- and of a, an amazing group um, that went out a couple weeks ago, and we hiked to the top of Mount Evans, 14,130 feet in the air. Now, this is the picture. This is my selfie. That's why my head is so big. I just want to make sure everyone understood that. If you don't take selfies, then you don't understand what that looks like, all right? But this look on my face is kind of like, it's kind of this. These suckers have no idea what they're getting ready to get themselves into, we're going to go, they're all clean right now. I mean, look at some of their smiles, right? It's kind of like, yeah, we're going to conquer the mountain. And then a few hours later, they're breathing hard. You know, they may have fallen. There's clothes that are dirty. We, we, we hiked up this mountain. We went on a 17-mile round-trip hike, number one. We climbed a total elevation gain of 5,600 feet. Let that soak in for a moment. I did that. Your chubby, chubby little pastor did that, along with a bunch of other fit individuals. We walked on rocky and uneven terrain, right? We climbed steep inclines. We, we conquered this even while it was raining on us. This is just to let you know how proud you should be of men in this church, right? We did this with less oxygen than what you're breathing right now. That's the amazing part, Right? We, we did this with little, well, it's probably not accurate. We did this with no training at all, okay? No, nobody was in shape. Nobody was prepared for this. We did it with heavy gear, much heavier than we ever should have tried to pack 17 miles. We did it with no showers while drinking water out of the stream. Yeah, 
That's men from New Life. Take that. We should have our own Survivor show, like on Discovery Channel or something. It would last one episode. Of the people that went, eight of us, eight of us made it to the summit, and we've got the picture with the sign to prove it, right? But all eight of us would agree on the very same thing, that we wouldn't have made it on our own. That's something that every one of those men that climbed that mountain with me that day would honestly say to one another, and they would say to you. In fact, one of those guys, as I was the leader of the trip, I was both the encourager, right, and the challenger. I was both like the pastor and the drill sergeant. I was like, hey, come on, guys, we can do this. And on the other side, I was like, well, with that attitude, you're not making it up the mountain, right? And so it was like both sides of me had to come out. And I went back, reverted to like my military days, and we wrapped it all together. And we, we inspired, we encouraged, we challenged each other. We wouldn't let each other fail. We wouldn't let each other quit. And we just kept pushing past the pain and past, past the thin oxygen and past the steep inclines and, and past the weariness and the tiredness. And we made it to the top, but we did it together. I remember at times calling out people's names, telling them, come on. Come on, you're better than this. I remember at times calling out people's names and telling them, come on, it's just one foot in front of the other. Focus on that, past the pain. I remember calling out one guy's name, DJ's name, and challenging him and encouraging him. And then this is what I get back from him a few minutes later when he caught his breath. He says, I needed to hear my name called out, Pastor Jeff. It helped me focus on the task. It's because we needed each other. Later on that night back at the camp, he said to me, your leadership in pushing me was the only way I could ever get to the top. We each had to dig deep, deeper than we normally do on on an average day in our lives. We had to dig deep, and we found something inside of ourselves that helped us get to the top of the mountain, and one of those things was that we needed one another. I'm reading a book right now by Dr. Henry Cloud called The Power of Other. The power of other. And he, he speaks professionally about this phenomenon that, you know, we are better in a group. And he says that one of the things that we're better at is our limits. Like, each of us has limits that we can do. And physically, we can only push ourselves so far. And spiritually, we can only push ourselves so far. But he says that when we're in community with others, that we can do things beyond our limits. We can push the limits that, we, that we've seen. We can push the limits of what we've ever experienced. And we can go farther than we've ever gone before when we have the right group around us. Well, that means also the same thing's true that when you've got the opposite group around you, it's always going to pull you down and you'll never reach your maximum capacity. And there's incredible effects on us even physically, that, that prove to be true when we are in the right group with others, but also emotionally and then spiritually. So emotionally and mentally, you're able to actually, research has shown that you're able to achieve the goals that you have for your life when you're in proper community with other people that have a Christ-centered belief system. If you're in the right community with Christ-centered people, you have the ability to achieve goals that you could never achieve on your own. The same thing, though, holds true even with non-Christ-centered people. At a work environment, when you work together as a team, when you work together as a group where you're inspiring and encouraging each other to accomplish something, 
It doesn't even have to be of a Christ-centered nature. You're going to achieve those goals more often than not when you're doing it with a group. So the power of group in your life to accomplish things beyond what you ever thought possible is amazing. But it also has an impact on our physical lives. Research has shown these particular studies to be true, that people that have had heart attacks and have had strokes, those people are are, uh, less likely to have a reoccurrence of another heart attack or a stroke when they are actually connected to a healthy support group. When you're in the right group, you're less likely to even have some of those physical effects take place again. You know, research has even shown that you typically live longer when you're connected to a close-knit community of, of people. You live longer, and that's in spite of your diet. That you can eat completely unhealthy, be connected to the right group of people, and you live longer. You could be a, you know, a, a food nut and a health nut, live by yourself and live shorter. I don't know about you, that sounds a lot like the American dream. I could be in community with people and eat less healthy and still live longer? Wow. Don't go test that one, all right? Please. Don't go push the limits on that one. It's just to drive home the point that physically, even when you're in the right group, you're more healthy. That's why verses like Ecclesiastes 4, 9 says that when two people are better off than one, for they can help each other do what? You can help each other succeed. Succeed at what? Succeed physically, succeed mentally and emotionally, but here's the kicker, succeed spiritually. There's power in group. What group are you a part of? Are you a part of a group that meets on a regular basis, that's inspiring you and encouraging you to be all that God designed for you to be? Are you in a group of people that you can honestly say that you meet often enough, which is probably going to be weekly or every other week, that you meet often enough that you actually know them in a way that you're actually helping and inspiring them to grow in their relationship with God, to live the life that Jesus designed for them to be? Life groups here at New Life, they start next week. You got the booklet today. All the life groups that we're going to offer this next semester are all listed there. And listen to me. I want you to achieve your very best, right? I want you to be an amazing picture of all that God designed for you to be. And to do that, you're going to have to be in a group. You're going to have to be in a life group. You're going to have to find your way into community with others that are going to inspire and encourage you to be all that God designed you to be. There's only one time every year that I feel like inside of me, I want to beg you for something. And this is the Sunday. I want to, if I could do it, I want to, I would literally beg you, beg you and plead with you. Be in biblical community with others. Be in a life group. It is going to revolutionize your life. If every single person that hears my voice right now was in a biblical community, in a life group with other believers that started next week and that will go to the holidays, you would see a dramatic increase of Christ-centered living in our church. You would see a dramatic increase of passionate Christ-following in our church. 
you would see your personal life growing to be more like Jesus. And what would happen if everybody in our church was on the same agenda to become more like Christ, to let the, let the Spirit of God influence us and change us? What would the church of new life, the church of Jesus Christ, what would it look like come the holidays? It would look like this. We're going into the holidays more spiritually fit than we've ever been. Let me encourage you. You need to be in biblical community. And the Bible is full of examples of this. It's riddled with the power of being in biblical community, being in life group with others. I want to show you one example that doesn't maybe get talked about a lot when it comes to this issue, so that I just wasn't using the same scriptures over and over again. In the Old Testament, there's a book called Nehemiah. The guy who wrote that book, Nehemiah, right? Nehemiah, the the story starts in 444 BC in Persia, or what is known as Iraq now. And the Israelites have been in captivity. They've been in captivity in, in Babylon for the last 70 years. And Nehemiah gets inspired with this vision from God to go back to Israel and to rebuild their city called Jerusalem, to rebuild especially its walls that have been destroyed, their rubble, their laying block after block, just laying on the ground. No walls are built, nothing to keep the city safe. And the city gates have been burnt down and busted down, and there is no integrity to the city anymore. There's no wall, there's no identification, it's just rubble and debris and a few homes here and there. And he gets inspired to go do this, and God empowers him to do it, and God provides the resources for him to make this amazing journey from Babylon back to Jerusalem with the people that are needed to rebuild this wall. And in Nehemiah chapter 4, we find that the Israelites are rebuilding these destroyed walls and rebuilding these destroyed gates, all the while while they have an enemy who is mocking them and now threatening to attack them. They're working with incredibly large stones. I was just in Israel a couple weeks ago. Incredibly large stones that they're rebuilding these walls with. Right? I'm not talking about little stones where one guy picks up a block and he moves it over here or a masonry kind of a thing where one guy takes a brick and he lays it down. I'm talking massive, huge stones that are weighing hundreds and thousands of pounds. And they're moving these things and the people are exhausted and they're overwhelmed by the potential attack and they actually want to quit. Take a look at what the people are saying. In Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 10 it says that then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired and there is so much rubble to be moved that we will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Never. And so Nehemiah, he feels the tension of the people and the project and he feels the tension between the people wanting to quit and wanting to give up and this God-inspired dream where he knows that God has commissioned him to do this and to bring glory back to God. And so what does Nehemiah have to do? He does what any great leader would do. He has to change his plan. Here's what he does in changing his plan. Just a few verses later, we're going to read verse 13 and then 16. And so I placed, Nehemiah says, I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families, to stand guard now by groups. Instead of just scattered out and all these little people doing all these little jobs, I'm, I'm condensing them down now to groups, to stand guard by groups, armed with swords, spears, and bows. Verse 16, from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard. Nehemiah, 
he, he looks at this and he says, the people are weary. They're getting wore down. They're getting, you know, um, uh, they're getting tired in, in doing all this work. I'm going to change the plan. I'm going to break them into groups. I'm going to put them in, into their families so they can inspire and encourage each other. And you know what else I'm going to do? To help protect them from the enemy, but to also do something very strategic, I'm only going to let half of them work while the other half stand with their spears and their swords and their shields. Now look what gets to happen. Half of them work while the other half stand and they're on guard. They're on guard. I guarantee you what happened while they're on guard is they're watching their other brothers and sisters do this work and you almost start to hear them saying things like this. Guys, you guys are making some great headway right now. This is awesome. Look, I got your back. I got your back. You can build with great confidence. Come on, guys. It's a big stone. You can lift it. Ready? One, two, three, go. Oh, man. Good job, guys. Man, it's incredible. You can almost hear them not only defending each other and having each other's backs, but you can almost hear them start to encourage and start to inspire and realize that in a few moments, they're going to go on break, standing guard, right? Encouraging and inspiring, and you're going to step in and you're going to start picking up where they left off. And look at this. The work got done even under the difficult situations because they went from being individuals to being a part of a group. They recognized my limit, I thought I could only do so much, but no, my limit is much higher once they put me into my family groups and once they put people there to encourage and to inspire me. The people, people didn't feel vulnerable you know, to an enemy anymore. In fact, they actually were filled with vision and with supernatural strength for a future, future that was way better than what they were experiencing at that very moment. They were inspired to be all that God wanted them to be once they were working together. So doing life in the right group is rewarding, but it's also going to cause you to grow spiritually more than you ever dreamed or thought possible. My question again, what group are you in? Are you, are you just living life isolated? Just showing up to the larger group on a Sunday? Because this is not where that power I'm talking about comes from. It comes from being in a close-knit group. There's a lot of other benefits, though, that come from being in biblical community and living in a, in a group with one another that are Christ-centered, that are wanting to become all that God wants them to be. Let me give you some of those benefits really quick. You ready? Here, here's the first one. Face-to-face community, it causes supernatural growth. Face-to-face community causes supernatural growth. Like when, when you, as a Christ follower, if you're here today, you're listening to my voice and you've given your life to Jesus, which I know not everybody has. And some of you are still searching and you're still wondering if, if Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. This is a safe place. I want you to continue to follow God. Please don't stay. Don't stay in the same condition that you're in. Keep taking steps towards God. But if you've committed your life to God, the Spirit of God lives in you. When you come face to face with another believer, you have the ability to, to speak life into each other. You have the ability to spur one another on to love and to good deeds. You have the ability to sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron so one man gets a chance to sharpen another. You have the ability to inspire and encourage each other face-to-face by sharing God's word with one another, praying for one another, speaking a prophetic word that God might be stirring in your heart for that other person in the group to inspire them, encourage them, give them wisdom and direction. Face-to-face community causes supernatural growth. 
face-to-face community takes some of the limits off of your life and allows you to go farther with God than you ever have gone before. That is a massive benefit. Another benefit of being in community or being involved in a group is that real friendship takes place. Real friendship is built. Not just social media friends. I'm afraid that in our culture today, that social media friendship, which I'm going to label as being down here someplace, is becoming the new norm in defining, in defining what friendship is. Real friendship isn't something that just takes place through Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or any of the other Snapchat or any of the other ones. This is good, right? But it's not great. God designed you to be in, to live in greatness. Greatness is face-to-face relationships where real friendships get built. Don't settle. Don't settle for something that's down here. When you can have real friendship that's face-to-face, where you can actually stand shoulder-to-shoulder, where you can actually help each other, where Ecclesiastes 4 deals with it later on in, in, what, I, in what I was talking about uh, just a moment ago, but when someone falls, you actually have the ability to help them up. When someone stumbles, you have the ability to catch them and they're stumbling. When someone's spiritually growing cold, you have the ability to sense it better and help them you know, get, get back on track and focused on all God wants them to be. So real friendship is key. Here's another great benefit, though, of being involved in, in a life group, is that real questions get real answers. You have the ability in a safe environment, much smaller than what we're experiencing today, right now, that you can ask real questions And real people are going to give you real answers. And if real people don't know the answers, our life group leaders are instructed to go find the answer. That's awesome because you're helping them grow and discipling them. As you ask your difficult questions in a life group, it challenges everybody to become more like Jesus. And together, you find the answer and everybody becomes better. Here's another benefit, though. Caring for others becomes natural. In in the society and culture in which we live in, we're being driven more and more into isolation. We're being driven more and more into caring for just ourselves instead of caring for others. And I want to say to you today that biblical community lived out in a life group will actually assist you and help you to become more compassionate to the needs of others. Remember, we're commanded to do two great things. Love God with everything and love others with everything. Living in biblical community, a benefit of that is helping you to have the compassion of Jesus for others. Helping you to truly care and have a Christ-centered empathy for others. That's what happens when you're in a life group. Or otherwise, needs are distant from you. Needs are separate from you and you. You tend to write a check to meet needs instead of giving of your own skin, life, blood, and time. Something much different between those two things. You will benefit from being in a life group. Another benefit, though, is you gain a greater sense of belonging. You gain a greater sense of belonging inside of the fellowship called New Life. That's one thing. But you also gain a greater sense of belonging inside of the kingdom of God. You grow to understand that your life has a greater purpose than what you may have thought it has. It's one of the great benefits of being in a life group. I've watched people come alive spiritually and recognize I'm not just a pew sitter. I have a significance. I'm not just a church attender. I have 
I have a significance you know, to, to give and to share. They come alive spiritually and you recognize, I belong. I belong here, but I belong with God. And I want my life to be maximized. Last but not least, by any means, is that right living before God can actually become easier when you're living in biblical community. See, one thing I know about every single person that's here in our main auditorium and sitting in the venue and out in North Platte is that you actually, there's something going on on the inside of you that's making you be here, number one, and and there's something going on the inside of it that's causing you to say, I want my life to look more like Jesus, or you wouldn't be here. Something's going on. Now, you may not have identified that, but the Holy Spirit is stirring on the inside of you. And part of what it's going to look like to become more like Jesus is to live a lifestyle that models, that models the, the character and the values of God. Right living before God will become easier when you're living in a community where you meet together on a regular basis, weekly, let's say, where you're actually holding each other accountable and you're challenging each other to act and believe and behave more like Jesus. Your life will look different at the end of the semester if you take the challenge and you jump in. That's why Proverbs eleven fourteen says these words. Where there is no guidance, a people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Let me just break it down. Isolation creates spiritual stumbling. And when we're not seeking spiritual guidance in a life group, we're positioning ourselves for a spiritual fall. A spiritual fall will happen when you're not getting the guidance, when you're not getting the collectiveness of a biblical community in a life group, you're more likely to spiritually stumble and fall than when you live connected, closely connected with others, doing life with them. And here's the beauty of it. But in an abundance of counselors, in, a, in the abundance of a group of people that are all headed the same direction, Christ-centered living is their desire. Check it out. There is safety. That word literally means there's salvation. That there is deliverance. That, that in turn would mean that there is spiritual growth. It's not safety, like in the safety of numbers, like, hey man, if you're going to walk down a dangerous street, have a bunch of people around you so that you are safe. It's safety in the sense of coming alive with Christ, being dead to your old self, of knowing that your eternity is with Christ in heaven. That's the safety that they're talking about. So I say to you, church, today, if I was a lawyer, I would say to you, the evidence is abundantly clear. Everyone needs to be in a life group. So today, please take the booklet or look online and find a life group because they're going to start in about a week to a week and a half from now. Jump in and be a part of one so that your life isn't the same come the holidays. There's a a quick second group that I want to talk about really quickly, and that is this. Serving in a ministry group is also vital and important. You know, as we go next Sunday to these two services in all of our locations with these two new service times. We're also wanting to um, start you know, introducing into the life of our church a brand new cultural piece. That cultural statement, that piece that we want to start affecting our church with is attend one, serve one. We love to see the attitude of our church become this, 
in all of our locations, that you attend one service on a Sunday morning and you serve at the other one. You attend at the 945 and you serve at the 1115. Right? You serve at the 945 and you attend at the 1115. It doesn't matter which way it works. You, you find one service that you attend. You find one service that you serve in. And so that's the reason why you, were, you received those cards to be involved in ministry. And I want to encourage you, at the end of our service, the ushers are going to be standing at all the exit doors. And I want you to take that card, fill it out, and give it to an usher so that one of our staff can get a hold of you this week and find a place for you to attend one service and start serving in one service. Let me just tell you this. We have incredible needs in our church, from tech ministry to children's ministry to worship to greeters to ushers. I mean, all across, people that make coffee. We've got a lot of ministry positions. Look at me. Look me in the eye right now in the main auditorium, look, look at me, look at the screen right now in all the other locations, you are needed. You're needed. We need you. And you need us. Serving in ministry, it's rewarding and it's fun. It, you're, you're part of a team that's actually winning. I want to encourage you, be a part of a team that's winning. So today, you got some simple steps. Connect to a life group, connect to a serving group. But in this large group that we're in right now, before our worship teams come, I want to inspire you. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Right? Let's build each other up in this large group that we have right now. Let's spend these next few moments in worship hearing what God's wanting to say to us and us responding to God. Hear the voice of God because he might be challenging you to join a group. He might be challenging you to serve. But I know this, he's wanting to speak life into you. Let's inspire each other with passionate worship. Let's inspire each other with worship that's proclaiming the goodness of God. Let's inspire each other, you know, in our prayer. Let's inspire each other with the raising of our hands in worship or the raising of our voice in worship. Let's actually affect each other in a biblical way today in this group setting while we worship God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And let's do the very same thing in smaller biblical community, in a home group, in a life group. Let's do that this, this week. Make that your response. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, today we are so grateful that, Lord, you gave us each other to make us better. You gave us community with one another, with you, Jesus, at the center that actually sharpens us, it inspires us, and it challenges us to be all that you designed for us to be. Lord, it just blows my mind that you put us on this earth and that we actually, we need you with everything inside of us. We can't live life without you, but we also, we can't live life without each other. And Lord, you brought us to this church called New Life, so therefore you, you gave us this body to help us become all that you designed for us to be. And you want us to actually serve our part in helping others find their purpose, find their, find their meaning for existence in Jesus Christ. Thank you for that, God. So Lord, use these next few moments as we worship you, as we lift up your name. Use these next few moments, Lord, to speak life into us. Use these next few moments as we passionately run after you and seek after you. Use these next moments that we would inspire and encourage each other to lift high the name of Jesus. To worship you with an abandoned heart, giving you all that we have. All that we have, Lord, today. We love you, Jesus. There's none like you. 
We worship you. Your name's above every other name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And we choose to do that today. So Lord, be with us. Show up in our midst. Change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.